Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me most places on the internet at jadeoxfordrose, and I use they-them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a guest. Welcome, Bella. Hi. I'm lucky that my breasts are small and humble, so you don't confuse them with mountains. (laughs) I'm just here to bring the humor. Uh, (laughs) It's too early for me for anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hello. Long time, co- long time listener. First time caller. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, we are talking about book number 41 today, The Familiar, um, which if you've ever seen the book cover is the one where Jake is morphing into a, uh, <laughs> 30-year-old white man who's supposed to be him at 25. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's a generic video game protagonist. <laughs> it's, a white, it's, a, it's a white man in his 30s with a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've derailed things. We haven't even got the full description of what the fuck is. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's a weird one, uh, especially coming off of the back of Megamorphs 4, um, which is head and shoulders above this book. Um, it's, it's another alternate timeline type shenaniganry, except the Elemist isn't involved. For some It'd reason. It makes a lot more sex, set, sense if he was involved. <laughs> it would. Well. Uh, is he not involved? He's not. No. So, like, okay. We'll get to it later, but, like, there's a weird line later that I was like, oh, maybe this is Elemis. No. Is it? I, I don't. I don't know who is involved. They're never named, apparently. They're not named in this. And apparently they never come up again. They don't. I hate it. <laughs> Um, I need to stop looking at weird aged up Jake, who could to be rough ten years. Fair. I'm sitting right here. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, So, um, some content warnings before we get into this. Uh, The majority of this book is set in a alternate future so instead of megamorphs 4 which showed us kind of an alternate past in some ways this shows us an alternate future um that is fucked up wherein the yurks have won uh and the content warnings kind of reflect that um so it's also set in new york city instead of ambiguous california city uh uh the because it's pre 2001 the twin towers are still there uh and folks don't have the the inherent uh 
what am I trying to say? There isn't a taboo about blowing up buildings anymore. Um, so, uh, skyscrapers in New York City do get blown up in this book. Uh, imagery evocative of 9-11, as Jade much more eloquently put it in the content warnings. <laughs> um, also, state-slash-police violence, uh, depictions of extreme poverty, and loaded imagery of occupied war zones and refugees. Um, as you might expect, things kind of go to shit when the Yerks win. Um, there are <clears throat> resistance movements and, uh, it's, it's kind of matrixy, honestly. A little bit, yeah. I think that's a fair, fair poll. The writer might have been inspired mm-hmm. by it given the time that this mm-hmm. came out. Cause obviously, I forget when in 1999 Matrix came out. Yeah, but, I don't um, remember. I feel like but it was like it's also, fall. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And these books were written in very short time frames. So Yeah. But um the whole vibe of like Yerk occupied New York um feels very evocative of a lot of sci-fi dystopian mm-hmm. futures uh mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll give it its due some of the way like the buildings are described actually sounds really dope um like the notion of a yerk infested new york city being as inelegant as the process of yerking somebody is just like stuff stuck onto buildings <laughs> like why build something new we've got a perfectly good building right here we'll just stick something on the side and i kind of <laughs> like that Mm-hmm. element to it and this weird meshing of um like what for the kids would be like 2000 uh, so what 2010 new york excuse me why i go throw myself into the sea <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> i am turning into dust as we speak um it also um the way some of the uh there's a hovercraft that Jake's on at one point that reminds me very much of the fifth element, a vastly mm-hmm. superior dystopian yes. future. Yep. I love the fifth element so much. It's so good. Uh, hey, Jean Paul, you want to come design some costumes for a sci fi movie? Yes. It's about I don't care. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. And the thing is, a lot of in the much in the same way we were talking in the la- with the last book, lots of media do like it's a wonderful life plots. Mm-hmm. A lot of sci-fi shows shows do. Hey, here's a shitty future where we lost, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or where the bad guy became president, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's just America. <laughs> yeah, um, UK too. Boris Johnson is asking to be leader of the Conservative Party again. I sh- I wish I was shitting you. I live in a parody. <laughs> Ew. It would be funny if it wasn't resulting in people dying. Yep. <sighs> but that's true of a lot of politics here in the West. Regardless, uh, there are aspects of this, like we see aged up versions of... Um, we don't see Axe on screen, tragically, but that makes sense because he's off-world. Um, but 
Like it feels very like uh, when we meet Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like the grizzled version of previously idealistic people. Like mm-hmm. these are tried and tested tropes. Mm-hmm. Nothing here is groundbreaking, but it, I like seeing these takes on these characters. I just wish it was done a slightly more subtly. <laughs> um because I don't like ham-fisted moralizing and it's so easy for animorphs to slide into ham-fisted moralizing. Mhm. Because I'm just like, okay, our big metaphor is always bad. Yeah, we can see that. Okay, what else do I have to work on? Okay. Here is why being a terrorist is bad. It's like, mm, okay. <laughs> cool. Great job. Pieces for children. Ba da ba Like, okay. Cool. Great. Uh, we can get into the specifics in a moment. Um, but yes, I was like, oh, I want this to be good. Oh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> the advantage of Danielle finishing reading the book before I do, which is how it always works, uh, is that I get warnings or I can gauge Danielle's reactions by what mm-hmm. I'm in for. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I should say before we actually like get into the plot of this, um, I've been reading these books literally since they came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to come on here is to uh, defend Jake against all the slander from y'all. <laughs> That's my baby. Okay. <laughs> we finally have somebody here to have Jake as their son. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Yes. We just need somebody to claim Rachel and somebody. Well, to be fair, Rachel's kind of our shared daughter at this yes. point. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love her. She sucks. I need her to have some therapy. Um, but yeah, actually, I'd love before we get in because uh, we haven't done this in a while. But your first time being with us, Bella, as well as here to uh, defend your son. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about like why Animorphs has stuck with you if you've been reading them for so long, like as you are in the Danielle camp of uh, a diehard <laughs> fan as opposed to the newbie camp like me and Emily Arva guest last from last time? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it was just like some random scholastic book fair, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess that would be middle school. Mm-hmm. God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> and I just like Older. picked up. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but you're prettier than me, so it's fine. <laughs> mm, we can debate that off, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember grabbing one of the books. Uh, I think it was like ten or something. It wasn't the first one. Uh, and I just like sat in the corner, started reading it because I liked the person turning into an animal on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this magical fucking thing? And I sat there mm-hmm. in the corner and I read that entire book in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I was just hooked. Like a lot of my best friends in uh, middle school were hooked. Like it was like a. It was it was a thing. Uh, so much so that uh, I'm about to admit this. Like we would uh, 
go out for recess and like play Animorphs on the playground. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, for some reason, Jake has always just like resonated with me. I guess I'm like, quote unquote, the leader of a lot of friend groups. Not so much anymore because that's exhausting. But, uh, yeah, like we had a, uh, we had a Jake, we had my friend Tyler as Tobias, who now looking back, that really fits his personality. Um, <clears throat> I think we had a Marco and I think it was just the three of us, mm-hmm. but yeah, we would definitely hit that recess playground real hard. And it's a good thing that I live my life with no shame because <laughs> I know we were being judged. <laughs> oh, solidarity. I was not well liked as a child. Yeah, I say as a child. I have a few friends now that I'm very fond of and outside of that circle. Yeah. Look, I make actual play podcasts. I'm still dicking around on the playground at recess. <laughs> you know what? That's Just, real. That's real. <laughs> Just like, oh, pretending to be other people can't relate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so kind of the standard Animorphs experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, I do, I'm feeling obligated to say I don't dislike Jake at all. (laughs) I think it's written badly. No, that's that's valid. Like re rereading these as an adult, I'm like, ooh. The, the the characterization sometimes is just not mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is and we might as well expand this, as this is a a Jake uh PIV book. The leader character is often a hard one, I feel, to get right. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're I don't know, sometimes you can be sat with them and it works and it's great. And sometimes you need distance from them for it to work and it's great. And I feel like sometimes Animorphs really lands it and sometimes it really misses the bar. Because uh, when Jake is written well, I love him so much and mm-hmm. relate to a lot of his struggles, even though I... Well, I don't consider myself a leader type, but I have been told on more than one occasion that people want me around in case of like an apocalyptic scenario because I can get shit done. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. Like I've directed shows, I've been a stage manager, so mm-hmm. maybe I am and I just don't like thinking <clears throat> about it because responsibility is terrifying, um, as these <sighs> books clearly portray. Yeah. But there is something that I do like about these books is seeing Jake follow. We mm-hmm. get to one see how smart he is and how good he is at problem solving on the fly, but seeing him play second fiddle to others, mm-hmm. one, he doesn't necessarily like it because it feels odd to him, but he does it and one thing I do really appreciate about the way Jake is written most of the time is that he doesn't have an ego about being a leader. Mm-hmm. He, although we've talked before about like how he reads books on military history, 
clearly has an idea of what a leader should be. I feel like he doesn't fall into a lot of like the toxic, quote, alpha male sorts of behavior. Mm-hmm. We often see the fact that he has male friends yeah, and doesn't feel threatened by them. And the fact that he can be friends with Rachel as well as cousins and not like be threatened by the fact that she is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that's so refreshing. Like, I think if I had been like a teenage boy, I would have needed to read about characters like Jake. Yeah. Because for all the things he's forced to do in this scenario, and the way he hates himself for the things he does, he's actually very gracious a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. I will pull these books to pieces with some of the choices that he is forced to make by the writers. Yeah. But he handles things upsettingly well most of the time. And he's and a fucking child. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I, I've always wondered if it's like, is he this way because he is a child or like, would he still be this way if this series had started when they were like early twenties? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like before he gets, uh, uh, what is a good word? Like influenced by mm-hmm. that kind of like toxic masculinity behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder like the pre books, timeline like one we know jake is bigger than other kids his age and how if you are like stronger than other kids and stuff like you're told like be careful you're i think older siblings will forget this so like you're stronger than them you need to be the careful one oh god Um, but also like tom must have been a really good influence Mm -hmm. like i want to know more about pre-books tom and get sad (laughs) I, yeah, which is my relationship with fiction generally. I just like, I want to get sad. Um, but <laughs> relatable. He is, he is such a, like I said, it might be different in five years if Jake was a high schooler rather than a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. Or, and now I'm just thinking about Steve Harrington in Stranger Things, which to be fair, I'm never that far away from thinking about because I love <laughs> Steve Harrington so fucking much. But that, It'd be very easy for Jake to have been like the popular kid, the jock, that kind of vibe. And he has inklings of that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I enjoyed about The Last Megamorphs was seeing that insight from Cassie about him. Like, yeah, he's big and he's strong, but he's also like kind of quiet. He doesn't like fuck with the noisy kids. He's just this solid, dependable guy who everyone looks at like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to lead us. Mm -hmm. And him being like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Mm hmm. But um, um, this will be the last thing I say, and then we can get into the plot. There's this quote I've been seeing doing the rounds. I think um, it's an indigenous rights activist, but how leadership isn't about power, it's about duty. Mm. Or how leadership shouldn't be about power, it is about duty. And mm-hmm. how you serve others as a leader. And I feel like that vibes with Jake quite a lot. Like, he does... Yeah do that but he makes these choices because he has to he doesn't enjoy it mm-hmm. 
which is why I like, hate that little supreme leader alternative timeline shit drink. Like, why would you get dirty like this? Smack, smack. No. Don't care for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we can talk about the book now. <laughs> uh, so this book was ghostwritten by Ellen Giroux who previously wrote uh, book 33, which is the, the book where Tobias is tortured for all of it. <laughs> um, mm. uh, this book is much more action-packed instead of introspective, uh, and perhaps there is where some of the weaknesses are. Um, but honestly, in my opinion, it's like the, the nuts and bolts of the writing are pretty good. I don't have the same issue with it. Like I had with say 39. Um, uh, I find the action scenes relatively okay to follow. Um, there's some really good descriptions in here, uh, stuff, stuff like that. Um, much like Megamorphs four, the opening to this is the uh gnarliest fucking battle we've seen on screen yet um yeah. fucking goes hard like yep. damn and and unlike megamorphs 4 where we picked up uh after everything has gone down we pick up just right in the fucking middle of it uh it's it it's a lot um yeah, we get, not for the first time in these books, I appreciate that it's an easy injury to describe and get across that it's horrible without mm -hmm. having to have to go into too much detail. But mm -hmm. I have to ask, how many of these kids have seen their own intestines fall out? While <laughs> oh, uh, oh, all of them. Absolutely all of them. <laughs> like... The fact that there's this moment where Jake gets sliced through the bellies in Tiger Morph, obviously, because it's a battle, and he's like, oh, I can see my own guts. I hate this. Um, <laughs> and then gets pushed down onto some hot pipes, and I'm like, and my brain's like, well, at least that's cauterized, and you've got to stop bleeding a little bit. And I'm like, Jade, that's not making me <laughs> see better. It's really not. But it's it's nasty. They're in like the guts of a building, a new mm -hmm. build, uh, down like in the service area. So it's all like mm -hmm, water mm -hmm. pipes and stuff like that. Yep. And uh it's going bad, guys. Yep. Uh they are wildly outnumbered um in a enclosed space uh by a bunch of hork -Bajir. Um uh, Everyone is kind of fighting off their own contingent of Hork Bajir. They're not, they're not, they're separated. They've been separated within this room. Um, so that they, they can't say have each other's backs as much as they would normally. Um, yeah, it sounds like and, it's quite a large space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like this is like, was it the sub basement of a high rise? <coughs> you can imagine this yeah. is quite a large area that they're doing this in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, Jake calls for the retreat um, as taxons are arriving. Um, Rachel, notably, uh, has been blinded by blood in her eyes and is just kind of going ham, uh, not... It, it, she she is caught up in the battle lust 
Um, yeah, this is full barbarian rage, berserker, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. just come on at me. Uh, and even though Jake has called for the retreat, she is still fighting. Um, to the point that Marco has to go and try to wrangle her back. Um, they... Uh, Axe helps to save Jake from <clears throat> some Horpagier. They get to the, uh, it's like a, a garage door kind of thing, but bigger and heavier. There's this good um, little, I've got to give, I love combat pragmatism. It's one of my favorite little things. Um, mm-hmm. a Horpagier gets thrown at a pipe, which then bursts and fills the space with steam, which is no fun, kids. Schooling is a nasty thing to have happen, but it offers them the cover they need to get to this door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassie, Axe, and Tobias all get out, but Rachel is not having it um marco is literally trying to drag her but he tells jake to shut the door behind jake um because there are even more reinforcements coming um shut the door jake marco roared there are more on the stairs marco rachel get out of here now we can't rachel's can't leave her you cut the yurks off or it'll be too late. He was breathless but insistent. We'll find some other way out. A hork emerged from the steam cloud, saw me, and broke into a run. Time was definitely not on my side today. Lose everyone or lose two. I dropped and rolled under the door, sprang up, and broke the glass box that housed the emergency close switch, engaged the switch. What alternative did I have? What choice? The ground, the door ground to a halt, hesitated, then changed directions, descending like a slow but certain guillotine. Cassie's wolf eyes fixed on me. What are you doing? You can't trap them in there. You can't leave them. The lone horpagier dove and skidded under the door. I grabbed him, mouth and claws. We tumbled. It was like being stuffed in the clothes dryer with ten razor-sharp kitchen knives. I used my weight, my fangs, the last of my strength. When his muscles finally slackened, I stumbled away. The accordion door was almost closed. I looked through the crack, and there, like a mirage, was Marco's gorilla form emerging from the steam cloud. He was dragging a roaring, slashing Rachel, and not more than six feet behind them, a dozen Horkbegir. Axe grabbed a length of pipe and wedged it between the floor and door. The gears shrieked to a crawl. Then the pipe began to bend. Cassie screamed. The crunching metal door was just inches from the floor when thick, black fingers wrapped around the bottom, and with inconceivable strength, Marco heaved it up, forced Rachel through. She was a bloody mess. Marco stooped, crawled under the door, and released the pipe. Four Horkbegir dove for the opening, slid, clattered, reached the door just as... It crashed shut. No Horkbegir made it through, in one piece, anyway. And they run, demorphing as they go. Uh, out into busy downtown, uh, dodging cars in the street. Uh, Jake has to get Cassie, who uh, is frozen in the middle of the street. Um, they dodge into an alleyway uh, 
where they can kind of regroup briefly. Uh, and Cassie has a small <coughs> breakdown. Uh, four of them, she said anxiously. I may have killed four back there, maybe five. She searched my eyes, her usual calm shattered. Jake, she whispered, how do I deal with this? Every day we're more like them, she persisted. Aren't we? Tears welled over her lower lids. Jake? I didn't have the energy for this. The doubt, the introspection, the analysis. I just didn't have the energy. No, I said flatly. Why was she doing this? Why now? Yeah, we just had one of the closest calls I could remember. We'd had to scrap the mission, and now the Yer new Yerkpool entrance would open on schedule. But the brutality was nothing we hadn't done a hundred times before. She began to cry almost noiselessly. I knew she needed to talk things over. She needed to work through the confusion we all feel after a battle, and she wanted me to help. But I walked away. Uh, and further down the alley, Marco and Rachel are having a screaming match. Uh, hitting dumpsters, throwing cans type thing. Uh, Rachel is insisting that she could have brought all of the hork down. Marco is like, you had blood in your eyes. You couldn't even see the reinforcements coming. You acted like an idiot, selfish. Um, Jake tries to get between the two of them, but they're still yelling at each other. Marco says, you're about to blow, Rachel. Haven't you learned anything? You put everyone at risk by hanging back when Jake said to bail. We can't always cater to your personal need to bash heads. Uh, but as long as we follow Marco's righteous program, everything's fine. Mighty Marco can just forget about saving your life next time. Uh, but Jake gets between them, gets them to stop yelling at each other, at least. Um, Tobias has kind of retreated into himself and is basically kind of just flowing away, flying away. Um, he isn't, he isn't, uh, doing his normal kind of making sure everything is clear for everybody. Um, which, uh, Jake attributes to, uh, his notable PTSD from being tortured. Um, uh, Cassie is just fucking crying and begins to walk off alone. Um, Jake can't deal with it, uh, and asks Axe to make sure that Cassie gets home okay, and Jake kind of goes his own way. Um, I mean, we gotta recognize, like, all of them are fucked up after mm -hmm. that. They're just all doing it. Like, Tobias is disengaging, is probably disassociating. Mm -hmm. uh, Axe is worried about Tobias, his charm, obviously, but is, like, torn between Judy and his sorry He's looking to Jake and he's focusing on things he can action. Marco and Rachel are both pissed as all hell because that is a lot of the time how they deal with things and Cassie is breaking down and Jake's just numb. Mm -hmm. All perfectly valid ways to react to trauma, mm -hmm. to be clear. Mm -hmm. And But it's also like when you're in one of those things, any other reaction feels like the worst thing somebody could be doing. Yeah. 
and it just feels very horrible to interact with because either people aren't taking it seriously or they aren't engaging with you or how are you not angry? Mm -hmm. And yeah, we should raise the couple of points we have in the document about this argument because basically we're going to get Jake having his own shit time and a little thing we should mention and then we're going to get into the weird alternative timeline shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, so Cassie's uh, breakdown breakdown um, feels very timely with some of the discussions that have been happening in the Discord server. Um, that uh, Dirk has previously pointed out, and that uh, Tobias is now kind of echoing in the server. Um, fan Tobias, uh, and. It's that it's how frustrating it is that Cassie is showing sympathy for slavers. And mm, mm-hmm. this particular instance is slightly more uh, is a slightly more understandable version of that, in my opinion, because killing in battle means killing innocent hosts as well. Um, but the every day we're more like them is pretty bullshit. To put in her mouth, because like, mm-hmm. you're you're literally just trying to defend your world. You didn't ask for any of this. They invaded you. You're just trying to fight back, uh, and and one live to see another day, and two, you know, prevent Earth from being totally taken over, uh, and turning everybody into slaves. Um, and so it just like. tastes bad um like it, it's it's understandable in a lot of ways but also i we it's like i thought cassie had gotten past this yeah her reaction isn't the problem it's those the specific sentiment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this feels more like a book nine cassie argument um than than a post 29 cassie argument yeah and I appreciate they're wanting the writers clearly wanting to draw a contrast between Cassie as she is now and the Cassie mm-hmm. that we're going to meet in this alternative timeline or this alt- this uh the oh it's the worst timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it can always be worse, um, <laughs> but it's just it's frustrating and like I think it leaving aside the stuff I don't feel as qualified to talk about like again. We've talked about the book's consistent forgetting about that they have made Cassie a young black woman mm-hmm. and then having her say the lines that are really like, where, quote, colorblind casting is bad. Um, mm-hmm. You need to think this shit through. Um, but yeah, it feels like a step back characterization wise. It wants yeah, it, one thing if we'd seen her do something particularly vicious, yeah. like caught up in the heat of battle, like saying, even saying something like, I liked that, or I felt justified, and being mm-hmm. horrified by her own loss of what fit might feel like a loss of self in mm-hmm. the moment. It kind of feels like, to me like the 
writer like went back and read some of the early books and was like, oh, right, this is what like who Cassie yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then just like brought that to this uh, later book. Yeah. Mm. But like that's kind of ignoring any growth that she's had in the past 40 books. Mm-hmm. Which, and, like, I mean, honestly hasn't been much, but. <laughs> but also, I appreciate, like, as a ghostwriter, you might not have time to read everything everybody else has done in the meanwhile. Right? True. Like, Cassie did not figure in this, the last book this ghostwriter did. Not, like, massively so. Um, I think we even commented on it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I can sympathize up to a point, but it can just, it makes for an unsatisfying mm-hmm. read. Unlike, however, this Marco Rachel stuff that I am here living uh, for. I say mm-hmm. living for like so it great. doesn't make me want to die, but in like <laughs> the good way. Uh-huh. Um, I have a lot of feelings about my son and <laughs> his willingness to be disposable. Okay. Because he mm-hmm. is the one that they can afford to lose. Uh, also, the fact that I've talked before about his Batmaning vibes. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that he's the only one with a morph capable of getting Rachel out. Of getting any of them out. Mm-hmm. Anyone can pick up Tobias, who's got the the thumbs, um, to be fair. But we've seen Axe get Tobias out. We've seen Rachel do it. We've seen, a, we've seen Marco do it. But a gorilla is the only thing big enough strong enough and with the dexterity to ape handle a fucking grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. And he does so without hesitation. And I've always kind of wondered if that was like intentional or it's just like they just picked random animals and was like, oh, that actually kind of like fits our purpose now. It makes sense to me. Like they maybe chose like gorillas or what's a realistic animal we can have at a zoo. Um, mm-hmm. and go from there but the fact that Marco returns to the gorilla morph like they've acquired different animals and morphs that could be just as useful mm-hmm. in a battle situation and the fact that one you know branding it's his battle morph but the fact that a gorilla is smart enough and dexterous enough and strong like it's a gorillas are fucking dangerous mm-hmm <laughs> Like, you do not fuck with gorillas. They will break you. Like, I think I saw a thing recently talking about, like, the only reason gorillas don't escape their enclosures is because they can't be asked. If they wanted <laughs> to, they could, and no zookeeper is under any illusion otherwise. Because they'll figure <laughs> it out, or they'll be strong enough to just bust out. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about... Marco consistently being the only one unafraid to get up in Rachel's face. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, you can hurt me. I don't care about me. And then I die. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Fad Tobias for, like, the Marco Rachel ship. Because, like, (laughs) it's moments like this where I can see where you're coming from. But, yeah, I just, I die... Yeah, I die. Because I think you pointed out, Danielle, about how angry he is at Rachel 
for like mm-hmm. putting other people at risk and is just so ready to do the same. But mm-hmm. so long as the person is him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's striking to me that in the way that he makes jokes with Tobias in order to make Tobias feel more human. He argues and gets in Rachel's face to mm. make Rachel feel more human. Yeah, because unlike Cassie, the, there's clearly an increased distance between them. Um, like, Jake Caesar is the soldier. Cassie has lost her friend to this warrior. Tobias mm-hmm. is in love with Rachel regardless, but that's a different dynamic. You like you say, Marco's just like, hey, no, yeah, I know you're a, a berserker, you're fucking Xena. That doesn't mean I'm not going to get in your fucking face about it. You're right, Rachel, mm-hmm. I'm Marco, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could rip my head off. Do you think I'm not going to call you out on your bullshit? Mm-hmm. Just like you aren't going to call me on my bullshit? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I love them. Yep. And they make me sad. It's a, it's a very good dynamic. It is. It is. I look at my history of character dynamics and like <laughs> I didn't imprint on Animorphs like a duckling. Um I'm not looking directly at Danielle, but thank you for being <laughs> <laughs> like it's in your DNA, my friend, and I see it yeah. in every single one of your characters <laughs> in some degree or another. Whereas me, I feel retroactively called out. Because I'm like Oh, no wonder I like these characters because gestures to other characters that I like or that I play. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, the smart mouth and the tough person who banter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My brand. Um, <laughs> I like smart asses. But they're good as a thing. Mm-hmm. But that. There's clearly the thought for all of them in the aftermath, like, we could have lost Rachel and Marco. Mm-hmm. That's why Tobias is piecing out so hard. Mm-hmm. I think that is as much why Cassie is crying, if not more so than, mm-hmm. oh, I had to kill more people. It's like, because Rachel dying or the threat of Rachel dying always sets her off. Mm-hmm. Like we saw it in the last book. Her losing it because of Rachel dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, and and for Jake to have to make that decision on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely something also- he's going to be thinking about for the rest of his life. Uh-huh. But also, and um, this is what we've talked about before, Marco's the one that says close the door. Mm-hmm. And then Jake does it because he didn't have to think of it because Marco did. Mm-hmm. Marco will say the shitty thing that has to be done and Jake will do it. Mm-hmm. And I cry. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way that Marco doesn't know. Mm-hmm. What he's saying when he says close. Oh the door. yeah, yeah. But hey, Jake's now alone, very aware that people are probably angry at him, upset with him. 
and doesn't have the emotional wherewithal or is is aware enough of himself as well to go i cannot be the person that does this right now Mm -hmm. and the fact that he doesn't try to is actually quite like "Mm, good move i wouldn't try to do it then either (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he could have got angry or worse Mm -hmm. instead he's like make sure she's safe i'm gonna go home yeah um and with how this goes how relatively sloppy he is Mm -hmm. yeah it's bad yeah i don't know it's always weird to me like that he's just like make sure she gets home and then leaves and not just like hey hey i'm really fucking overwhelmed and i cannot handle this right now can we sort this shit out in the morning Mm -hmm. and it's just like okay bye guys yeah. But yeah, I wonder I if that's like, like a maturity thing. Like that's what I was about to say. Like he might not be in a position to articulate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's real easy, for, I suppose, for us as one older people and two the luxury of not being in the moment to go. Oh no, this kid's just fucking exhausted. He needs to go sit down. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I know, like, even when I'm in the depths of like. Banner, or even like I am so pissed off that everybody and everyone hates what oh I need to nap that's <laughs> mm-hmm. why I feel like this and like it doesn't matter how old you are I think sometimes you're aware of what you're feeling but maybe not cognizant of why or have the wherewithal to like unpick it mm-hmm. I suppose it says something to how much uh, Jake trusts Axe yeah I know everyone else is piecing out but he's like Axe is the, the most together of us right now. Please mm-hmm. go with Cassie. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it has to do with uh, everybody else has already basically walked away. Mm-hmm. And Jake knows that Axe doesn't respond well to Jake showing emotion and mm-hmm. weakness, for lack of a better term. Uh, and so he just gives Axe an order. That he knows Axe will follow. Uh, And then he doesn't have to confront. Because when you're at that point where you can't even, like, you know you can't deal with all of that gestures to all of Cassie right now. (laughs) Like, uh... It's the, the prospect of just talking to them and being like, hey... I care about you, but I can't deal with gestures to all of Cassie right now. Like that itself is its own emotional minefield that is exhausting to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, I can a- understand why. The thought also just occurs to me: it's like how like Jake to be the leader. Axe needs him to be in that moment, despite everything. Hmm. Like Jake trying to deal with this and being the one to step in between Marco and Rachel, just like he's a good kid. Yeah. Yep, he's trying really hard. But uh, this exhaustion is getting the best of him because he heads home. Um, he demorphs in the tree in his own front garden. Mm-hmm. Um, though he describes how he's basically being drunk with exhaustion and his legs basically go out from underneath him as he demorphs. Walking into the house, barefoot, 
in like bike shorts and a t-shirt uh, looking like he should be giving a testimonial on a Tybo infomercial, which I really <laughs> like as a description. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally he'd go into the garage and put regular clothes on first, but uh, he, he's so tired. So he just, fuck it, goes into the house. Um, yeah. His parents wouldn't question it. Um, Tom wouldn't buy it, but Tom's not home. Or supposed um, to not be home. Yeah, he's supposed to be at the sharing. Um, so he's just heads to the fridge, grabs a slice of pizza and just like, he starts eating like to get some calories in him. And he's like, I'm going to sleep. It'll be great. Going to have some dreams. No, no, it's just dreams. But, uh, Tom is there. Um, and this is mean Tom. Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't feel like the contrived big brother mask that we've seen, um, the yerk in Tom do before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like got this very sort of mocking laugh. Though I will say to Jake, the lie that he comes up with is incredibly good. Yeah. I On would the fly that like that. Lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, because when Tom's like, why are you barefoot and like dressed like that? Because um, it's in the night and he's like in. T-shirts, and just like, oh yeah, well, uh, we're watching the game, and Marco spilled a uh, smacked a Pepsi all over his shoes and sneakers, and he left them there to get washed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, great lie, great job. <laughs> um, but a bit more mocking from Tom. Uh, Jake sort of plays along with the dynamic, gives him a jab in the stomach as he heads to his room, and goes to pass out in bed. Um, but he's not quite home free yet because uh, he goes to bed and just as uh, he goes to turn off his light and go to sleep, he hears Tom in the hallway. So uh, he's like immediately awake again. And Tom is like, was that blood on your leg? And because the blood doesn't necessarily go away when you demorph. And he uh, manages to cover it with like, oh, it must have been like grease from the bike chain. Um, and it must, oh no, that he the bike chain caught his leg, and it must be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopes that that's enough. And he's got to try to go to sleep because he is exhausted, but he can't stop thinking about Cassie walking away about being the subject of Tom's scrutiny. Um, We get this real evocative visual of um, him standing before a great wall, uh, extending massively far up and side to side, and he's like just holding his hand against a hole, uh, trying to stop the water that's seeping through. Um, And behind the wall he can hear the sea. Mm-hmm. And just wondering how long is the wall going to hold? Um, very, the boy who put his finger in the dike and saved Holland. Um, <laughs> Danielle, please. This is a serious <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about serious sci fi things now. Come uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Take your shit I didn't name it that. It's the name <laughs> of the story. <laughs> Blame the Dutch. 
We get introduced to the worst fucking alarm clock to have ever existed. <laughs> it literally will not turn off until you get out of the bed. Oh, that is that is my literal is nightmare. That is the worst. Uh, it's not even 6 a.m. Which is worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, on the clock is a to-do list, and the only thing on the to-do list is report to work. This is the capitalist hellscape. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> ah, it uh, is 2010. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Jake realizes that he's not in Kansas anymore, or California, um, because the room is definitely not his. Uh, he immediately goes into defense mode and bolts out of bed. Uh, just classic trauma response. Mm, uh, hypervigilance, kids. Exactly. Uh, and he he's immediately like, I need to get out of here. Where the fuck am I? Uh, and this little scene of him like figuring out what's going on um like and this computer voice is telling him like you're not getting ready to go to work it's just like mm. <laughs> this just feels like the worst kind of uh, internal monologue uh frankly just like get out of bed go to work just like i don't want to um but as he's sort of like freaking out he can't shut the computer down he can't get out of the room and he but he catches sight of himself uh, uh, first he catches sight of his hand and how it looks different, how it looks rough and callous and larger than it should um, and realizes that it's a hand of a grown man and then he's like okay, and then he sees himself in the mirror um, short cropped hair six foot frame, like he isn't already pretty damn tall, but I suppose you know 13 years old, you're probably not that tall yet. Mm -hmm. um, but like a day worth of beard growth. And he's panicking at this point because he's trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, like most of us, he's like, okay, Elemist trick. <laughs> um, but normally the Elemist is like touched base at this point. And he's like, okay, yuck experiment. Uh, I do appreciate that he references big. Uh, the Tom Hanks movie as a mm -hmm. <laughs> was like he was in his own room at least, um, yeah. But uh, in a very paranoia esque way, he's in a coloured jumpsuit. We'll find out what the meanings of the coloured jumpsuits mean later. Um, but as far as he's concerned, in this moment, and I hate this to be clear, mm -hmm. he thinks, "Oh well, I've finally gone insane and I've been locked up." And I'm like, mm, "Bad, bad book. Yeah, don't do yeah. that." Um, because that feels out of character for Jake, frankly. One of the other characters, maybe less so. Marco. Mm hmm Or Cassie for that. Like, I think we saw that uh, sort of sentiment from her before. That's true. Um, but yeah, also Marco. I could definitely see Marco going, having that sort of reaction too. But, um, yeah, he just has to start taking in his surroundings. I do like the touch of the malfunctioning toilet in here. Uh, with its like automatic paper dispenser. Very good. 
Um, but he, there's a breakfast dispenser that seems pretty good, frankly. Um, yeah. But he's able to find a small panel that he figures out is the window. Mm-hmm. And he gets his first look at uh, New York City. <laughs> 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 Thank you. I'll be here all week. That's uh, <laughs> me. I felt very proud of myself. You should. That was good. That's that was good. Um, but uh, Jake is like taking in this because he recognised it as New York. He's been there like on a school trip. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, which is like, what fucking school goes on holiday from not California, Californian city to New York? Like, that's a long ass fucking flight to yeah, take a middle school. Yeah. But, I mean, um, rich white yeah. kids. <laughs> ah, true. But, um, what? Because I, I think he started taking in his room first and has spotted the two different floors coverings which i thought was very cool because I, mm. I took it to be like a retrofitted room um like a wall added that wasn't there before because as he's looking out the window there are as he describes it chaotic clumps of black machinery clung like unwelcome growths to the sc- sides of skyscrapers sickly deformations of a century's architectural monuments a few buildings were completely covered over by this industrial applique, like a ship's hull overrun with barnacles, tree trunks strung with parasitic. The world, the word left me with a very uneasy feeling. He uh, spots two fighters flying past. He's able to. This is when he spots the uh, the World Trade Center as he, his eye line mm-hmm. follows these ships and figures out he's in New York. Mm-hmm. Um. And is putting it together. Oh, well, if this is, and it's when he recognizes one of these craft as a bug fighter, okay, we're in open out war. Mm-hmm. But um, he figures that one of the ships he can see isn't a bug fighter or any kind of aircraft. It is a, in his words, grossly modified Andalite craft with engines that should have glowed a cool blue, instead burned a fiery red because the Yerks aren't subtle in their color schemes. <laughs> red is for bad guys. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, the computer is consistently yelling at him uh, to close the window because of the facility air quality is being jeopardized (laughs) by the window being open it can only Um, be open for a certain amount of time apparently this is cyberpunk hell Uh this is is a very good example of cyberpunk Uh that's never described as cyberpunk Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to steal that shit for the next time I'm running something with a very glee cyberpunk setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then gets the computer yells at him again for continued idleness being prohibited. Um, Which seems very capitalist hell. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And he literally gets booted out of his room by a (laughs) gust of air. And I'm like, oh, yeah, nah, this this is hell. This is capitalist hell, and we're so upsettingly close. Um, but to his, Jake's credit, he because he's freaking out as one would. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, the war's over because the Yerks clearly have won. This is so bad. 
And he's like, I'm going to keep my fucking mouth shut until I figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fun detail of observe, don't trust these strangers, use them. And I'm like, I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) But there are a a bunch of people living in this uh, converted apartment building. Uh, Lots of tall, fit humans in brightly colored jumpsuits swarming into the corridor. And uh, he ends up sort of like joining the like crowd of traffic. It's, it's like the fucking open scene in uh, that. I forget the director, but the like Metropolis, just like the lines of workers mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. gets dropped. It, there's a, um, was it, were they gravity elevators that we've seen before? Yeah. Um, but this is just like, you just there's no side on this building because it's been taken off and you literally just fucking (laughs) go off the side of the building into a tumble and some people like just jump down and land because they just like freewheel down in a gravity elevator other than that you go into like the big suv bug fighter hybrid ice is a nightmare (laughs) um gets strapped into this unmanned hovercraft automatically uh because this is the midtown express and it's like the shittiest roller coaster to start your day <laughs> <laughs> like it starts uh. with a fucking aerial roll <laughs> like christ got vertigo reading it uh, it gives me very like futurama Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But bad. But bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I would want to live in Futurama universe. <laughs> like Futurama, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather take the tubes in Futurama than this fucking nightmare, frankly, because mm. at least yeah. the tubes in New New York looks like you'd get used to it, like riding the subway. Like once you figure it out. It's not so bad, unless you're traveling at rush hour. Uh, and then one of the people next to him call him Essek241275. Uh, which is a Yerk name. Uh, and asks him about the launch. Does not explain because Jake has been thrust into the life of someone that he doesn't know. Um, and the dude who like was talking to him just kind of teases him a little bit because Jake seems bewildered. Uh, and dude's like, Oh, did you forget to have your coffee? Ah, catch you later, I guess. Um, but Jake's been called by a Yerk name. He isn't actually yerked somehow because he has control over all of his functions um but and not only that the thing that really that i took from it is how high that yerk number is yeah uh, See, that's one of these things that you lovely folks who actually have read more of the books and internalized this stuff, because that didn't even <laughs> occur to me. Yeah, because we've seen before that uh, the the maximum that a yerk might have is maybe four digits, 
Mm-hmm. Like we have a uh, uh Visser 3 is um Esplan 9466, right? Oh, but nice. this one has yeah, six digits. Um which oh, just yeah, tells how many you yurks are being born. Mhm. Exactly. See now you've uh, said it. What <laughs> <Awesome>. makes sense? <laughs> I'm paying oh. attention. <laughs> uh so, you know, interesting, interesting little tidbit there. Uh, and enjoy also, the touch of subtlety. There will not be many of them. Please, <laughs> um, so, like, this didn't make sense to me on the reread mm. for, like, you know, spoilers ahead for the rest of the book. Um, nobody else, like, recognizes him mm-hmm. throughout the rest of this book. So whose body is he in? Uh, I don't, it's weird. Cause like we should spoil. I think we're going to have to spoil the end. Yes. Um, because at the end, this turns out to be a simulation or a dream. This is not, an alternative timeline. This is something that's been constructed, which is a real easy way to um, make up for like why shit isn't consistent. Mm-hmm. Because um, we do have these moments later where Jake is recognized as Jake, mm-hmm. but I'm, he tends to be the one that instigates it first. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, the reference to the matrix it maybe it's adjusting based on his expectations of what he's seeing around him yeah because he's recognized okay. something i mean i'm possibly giving the book too much credit <laughs> wouldn't be the first time but yeah, it's because one of the things that bugged me is the um there are basically two tobiases in this mm-hmm. in this timeline mm, mm-hmm yeah. There is impossible old hawk to bias, and I will not spoil it because it's fun, going to be fun to talk about it the other way. But it's implied that he's become a nolith again, mm-hmm. in a different form because he's mm-hmm. aged in that form. Mm-hmm. So he can't be both, but they're both here, right? So yeah, there are, there are a lot of little things that don't make sense and like contradictory things, like. Um. Uh. Like I believe that some people say that like oh yeah Jake you were you were yerked whereas others are like Tobias literally tells him oh no yeah you you died like Tom killed you mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh and then and- he's like but how am I here excellent question Jake <laughs> <laughs> uh. And the way these human controllers act is nothing like any human controller we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, they're too human. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen, like, we've seen something. And to be fair, these people might have been hosts for a long time. And maybe right. Yerks who have gotten better at being human hosts. But I'm sorry, I don't know if a Yerk human controller is going to have strong opinions about bland tacos. 
I did like the detail, but the yeah. way these humans act a lot of the time, who are meant to be yerked, they don't act like human controllers we've seen. I mean, maybe that's also in part because they're not hmm. being secretive. This like, is they're true. not having to, like, act like a human. No they just the exist. Right. Yeah. No, you make a good point, but it still feels like there's one thing to know, like, okay, I don't have to try to pretend to be a specific human anymore and keep the secret. And maybe they are just luxuriating in being humans, rank and file members of the Yerk Empire who get to cut loose and have junk food. Maybe. And as we find out in one of another upsetting things, like, humans effectively bred to be controller hosts, like to be hosts maybe just don't have much opportunity to do much other elsewise yeah yeah so 